Welcome to Ultimate Fighting Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Henson. This is the UFC 245 in review. That was a phenomenal night of fights, y'all. There were some serious ups, some serious downs, and some real surprises in tonight's fights. So, let's go ahead and jump into it. So, on the pre-prelims, we had... Yeah, four scheduled fights. We started out with Soriano, Punahili Soriano versus Oscar Piachota in a middleweight bout. It ended in a TKO 3 minutes 17 seconds into the first round. Then we had a women's flyweight bout between Jessica I and Viviane Arroyo. Sorry, I'm pretty sure I missed your name up, and I really shouldn't have. Um, Jessica, I missed weight by five pounds. This went to a decision um, with Jessica, I taking the victory. I don't have the judges' scores here. And then there was a flyweight bout between Brandon Moreno and Kai Cara France. It went to a decision with Brandon Moreno winning. And then there was a featherweight bout between Chase Hooper and Daniel Tamer with a wicked knockout. Um, they actually played this. During, they played a replay of this during the prelims, and it had confused a few people during it, but they were super invested in that fight, and that was a wicked, wicked knockout. So now we're going to go ahead and jump into the prelims, the normal prelims that were on ESPN 2. Our first match. Our first fight was a fight between veterans Matt Brown and Ben Saunders. This was a really good uh, stand-up fight, um, and Matt Brown looked really good. The uh, he caught the leg of Saunders a couple times, did a takedown, um, and catched the leg again, and did a really good wicked strike. Saunders ended up going. Going down, he didn't necessarily fall down. He kind of just lay down after a minute, and there was 15 seconds left. And Matt Brown just did some beautiful, beautiful ground and pound. If you hear some noises in the background, that is my dog, and I am sorry. From there, we jump into a middleweight bout with Ian Heinish versus Omari Akhmadov. I'd actually picked Heinish going into this. Um. The first round, I gave 10-9 to Akhmadov. Ian was missing a lot of stuff. Um, Akhmadov was maintaining the pressure control. He had some really good striking and got some takedowns in this first round. Then in the second round, I gave it to 10-9 Heinish. It was much closer. Um, Heinish ended up on top at the end of the second round as well. Heinish got... Uh, Heinish rocked Akhmadov. But he got back up, um, clinched. They went into the clinch against the cage. 
Ian got a takedown, some quick strikes to the face, and gets the back again, standing up, both throwing bombs. But I gave this one to Ak, um, Akmadev just a slightly. And this went to the judges' scorecard for 29-28, 29-28, 29-28. Unanimous decision for Omari Akhmadov for the first fight of the night that I picked wrong. Then we go into a women's bantamweight fight with Caitlin Vera and Irene Aldana. Now, I picked Vera for this one. Um, Caitlin Vera was ranked number two, and Irene was ranked number ten. Yeah. This went four minutes, 51 seconds, and Aldana knocked her out with a left hook. It was rough. Rough, rough, rough to watch that. She fell back. Um, she was, Caitlin Vera was undefeated coming into this, and Aldana got her with that left hook. She fell down, and Aldana came in with, I think, like one, maybe two more strikes before the ref called it. Then we go into the main event of the prelims with a welterweight bout between Mike Perry, Mike Platinum Perry, and Geoff, Jeff Hands of Steel Neal. Jeff Neal is ranked number 14 going into this fight. Um, Mike Perry was unranked going into this, which surprised me a little bit. Just I, for some reason, thought Perry was ranked. Now, this lasted a minute and 30 seconds, and it ended with a left roundhouse kick that ended in a TKO against the cage. And he... Uh, Jeff Neal just came running in after the roundhouse kick, threw a few more strikes after Perry uh, fell, and the fight got called TKO. It's really good uh, kick. So we start off the pay per view with a bout uh, with a bantamweight bout between number four Pieter Jan and number twelve Uriah. The California Kid Faber. Go lay down. We start off the pay-per-view with a bantamweight bout between number four, Piedion, and number 12, Uriah, the California Kid Faber. Now, I don't know about y'all, but with these fights like Uriah Faber and Aldo, I have such a hard time with these. Now, when I made my picks, I picked Piedion to win this, but... I love Faber, as I'm sure many of you guys do. You know, we just have these attachments to these guys who have been around for so long, like Faber, Aldo, Cerrone, and many others. And it's just so hard to watch sometimes because it's like, ah, I don't want him to just get like completely demolished or knocked out or just picked apart. You know, I expect he's, he might lose this, but that's not how I want him to lose. Um, so I, you know, I picked Peter for this and it was a good fight. Um, it, you know, it wasn't completely one-sided. I went, uh, possible 10-8 for the, the second round 
for Pieter. And Favor was knocked down three times during the second round, which was one reason I went for Pieter 10-8. And he was bleeding like crazy. Uh, his left eye was swell swelling up. Uh, good trip takedowns by uh, Pieter. And then in, in the third round, Pieter went for a knee, but Faber kept going backwards and standing up as Pieter went for the knee. And then he just extended it to a kick. I think Joe Rogan gave the best description of this as a high kick, because it wasn't quite a front kick, but it wasn't quite a roundhouse kick either. It, it was really good, though. Faber got knocked out 43 seconds into the third round. For your winner, Pieter Yawn. Then we go into another fight that really just had me reeling and, and worried the whole time with a fight between number of uh, another bantamweight fight between number one Marlon Rice and newcomer to the division Jose Aldo, who did make weight, which was a concern for many people. Now, this was a, a decent fight, especially for Aldo. Um, it, Aldo looked much better than I expected him to in this fight, especially because we just watched Marlon Rice do a decent, have a decent fight with uh, Cejudo, but Cejudo still beat him pretty handily. And I expected Marlon to take this, especially with the weight cut and how Aldo had been looking. But Aldo was looking pretty dominant in his, um, it was, it was a close fight, but Aldo was pushing the pace, had octagon control, was really putting pressure on Marais throughout the entire fight. Now this actually went to a split decision. 29-28 for Marlin. 29-28 Aldo. 29-28 for Marlon Marais. For what I think was one of the shocks of the night with this fight. Um, the, the entire bar I was in was surprised to hear Marais win this. I really expected Aldo to take this fight. I actually wrote down Aldo on my paper. Just like, yep, Aldo got this one. You know, it was a close fight. It was a good fight, but Aldo. And then I heard judges and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, not not how I got this, but cool, cool if y'all think so. Now then we go into the first title fight of the night with the greatest of all time, Amanda the Lioness Nunez, and we can have a talk about her being the greatest of all time discussion after the rest of these because I'm gonna tell you right now she's the greatest of all time. Um, so we'll have a talk about that right after I detail this fight. It was a. It wasn't so much a close fight. The first round was pretty close. Um, I gave one round to Jermaine, uh, um, but the rest I gave to Amanda. Um, Amanda ended up taking Jermaine down pretty much every round. Uh, the first round I gave ten eight to Amanda, and then I gave the third round. The, no, I gave the second round to Jermaine. Um, Jermaine's boxing and stand-up was really good throughout the fight, and Amanda took notice of this, took her down, 
and just tried to to pick her apart on the ground and did really well at that and kind of just said, screw her up kicks, I'm, I'm pushing in anyways. And I was really worried about those up kicks. She did eat one of the up kicks, but just kept on going. Um, it, it didn't really bother her at all. And she just kept on going for it. She spent roughly like three minutes of, of the first round, three, three and a half minutes of the first round on the ground. Then the second round did pretty much the same thing. And then, and the third round, uh, more of the same thing. And in the third round is when, uh, GDR actually connected with that up kick. Amanda just kept going. And then in the fourth round, we got another takedown. And GDR managed to get a triangle, get Amanda in a triangle armbar. But Amanda ended up flipping and then escaping out of it and got back into full guard, into Jermaine's full guard. Took that round 10-9 as well. And then in the fifth round, Amanda got a takedown like 15 seconds into the round. So the judges scored it 49-46, 49 49-44 for Amanda Nunez. Now, this is why I say she is the greatest of all time, because of this fight right here. Um, well, not just this fight, but she has beaten Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, Holly Holm, Jermaine Durandame, Chris Cyborg, Valentina Shevchenko. She's beaten uh, Shayna Baszler. She's beaten the who's who of women's MMA. She could fight Lima Lay, and that's pretty much, you know, at that point, she's definitely without a doubt the GOAT, and she's already without a doubt the greatest of all time. A lot of people did not like this fight, and she adapted in this fight, which in the past she's just pretty much stood up and boxed and outclassed her her opponents in this fight. She had to adapt, and it showed that she, you know that's why she's so great, and that's why she's such a good champion. And for those that want to disagree about that, I mean, John Jones had to adapt against uh, Tiago Santos in order to get that split decision. And if he didn't adapt, he could have lost. You know, he adapted by going into the clinch like John does. His clinch game is one of the best there is. I also think Amanda really should be higher on the pound-for-pound rankings. But then from there, we go to the co-main event with a featherweight bout between champion Max Holloway and number one contender Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. So, this was a really good, really close fight. The I gave the first round to Max 10-9. It was a good first round. Volk started to get in there more in the last minute, like minute and a half of the round. But Max had octagon control from the beginning of the round, was outpointing him um, just by a, a smidge. And then the second round I did, I gave to Max as well. It's a much closer of a, of a round, though. Lots of leg kicks coming from Volkanovski. Then I gave the next two rounds to Volkanovski. Uh, the whole fight was a, a stand-up fight between both guys. It was really good. 
there's just a lot more strikes coming from Volkanovski with the leg kicks. And when you look at the stats, Volkanovski had more strikes all, all five rounds. When it came after the fifth round, I really had no clue, which is a problem, because if I don't have no clue, the likelihood is the challenger probably won the title. Because I'm not big on, on giving rounds to challengers unless they really won that round. So if I it's just like, man, I don't know. The challenger might might have won this. Probably won it. And I was right. Alexander Volkanovsky won this. 48-47, 48-47, A lot of people didn't understand the 50-45, and I kind of understand that. They were, they were all close rounds on the on the stat sheets. Volkanovski won easily by strikes, uh, which is the number one factor in the. It's supposed to be the number one factor in the scoring. So, you know, you could justify all five rounds to Volkanovski. I still think forty eight forty seven is a reasonable thing. So that brings Volkanovski up to eight straight wins now, and I think this will be a great bite whenever they run it back. It was a great fight this time. Both guys are just... Oh, they can take some hits. Then we go into our main event with the welterweight champion, Kamaru Usman, and former interim champion, number two, Colby Covington. So we have the Nigerian Nightmare versus Chaos. Uh, the first two rounds I gave to Usman barely. It was a Good uh, stand-up striking exchange from both guys throughout the entire fight. There wasn't much wrestling uh, until the end. Um, I gave the first two rounds barely to Usman just because I didn't think there was enough for Colby to take him. Um, I could almost understand the first round go going to Colby. Then, uh, in the second round, there was a groin kick and about a 10 to 20 second break which before um, Usman was like, okay, let's go. And they, you know, they replayed it. A lot of fans were upset with it. I think what happened was the uh, Colby's foot might have just like touched the top of the cup, and just kind of jostled it a little bit, which can still cause some pain for those that have felt that. Um, so I, I, I think that's what happened. Then in the third round, there was an eye poke where the pinky from Colby went right into Usman's eye. It was rough looking in the replays. Then there was another eye poke later from Usman to Covington. It was a slight eye poke. And then in the fourth round, which this one was the one I gave, I definitely gave to Colby. Um, Mark Goddard had a talk with both of them after another eye poke happened and was like, hey guys, we're going to keep this fight clean. No, let's fight. Which I thought was pretty cool, but Mark, um, you know, get get him in there, get him focused on staying, having a clean fight. Uh, Colby was pretty cut up after the fourth round. He got knocked down two or three times in the fifth. It was a good stoppage. Uh, Colby wasn't defending himself. You know, he got knocked down twice, and then the second time, Kamaru came in, 
and was th- uh, throwing some hammer fists to the side of the head, and then was coming up from under the side of Colby's arms to throw some more hits, and Colby just wasn't defending. He had a both arms on like a single leg, but having a single leg win, you're nowhere close to being able to do anything with it, is not really defending, especially when you're still getting punched in the face after you got knocked down twice. So you can't really argue, uh, you know, that the fight was stopped too early. I think it was a perfect stoppage here on Goddard's part. Now, both guys were throwing absolute, like, crazy strong shots. Um, The fact that both guys made it five rounds with the shots that they were throwing is crazy. Props to both guys. Um, And props to Colby. Uh, Colby broke his jaw in the third and kept going those extra almost two rounds. It was a TKO in the fifth round, four minutes, ten seconds into the fifth. And now that I've looked at, like, Facebook and determined, everybody's like, okay, cool. You know, Colby can fight. Can we get rid of this stupid gimmick so we can stop hating Colby? Um, Because I hate the gimmick. It's not just, well, there's many reasons I hate the gimmick. One, because it is a terrible gimmick. It's terrible. It's cringy. um, It's just terribly done. And you shouldn't need gimmicks. Like, the story that Colby has to getting to this title is the story that you, you should be using. Um, and both guys having coming into this fight with the same record, hating each other, both being wrestlers that can throw great strikes and have made it this far in this crazy stacked division with crazy tough guys who are well-rounded fighters. That's your story. This story about this crappy gimmick, I, I hate that. That's not what this is about. And that's like the epitome of this Cowboy Connor fight that's coming up. It's just like, hey, this is what the UFC sh- should be about versus, hey, this is what Dana wants it to be about. And I hate that so much. Let's just get rid of the gimmick. You are a good fighter, Colby, but the gimmick sucks. Just get rid of the gimmick and just be a good fighter. You know, you had a really good fight here against Usman. You had a great fight against Lawler, against RBA. Just be a good fighter. Get rid of the gimmick. Now, the Kamaru Colby fight was going in the fifth. One judge had it for Colby, one judge had it for Kamaru, and one judge had it as a draw 2 2. So the bonuses for the night um, fight of the night was Kamaru versus Colby. And performance of the Knights go to Pieter, Jan, and Irene Aldana. So they all get uh, 50000 each for their bonuses. Now, Amanda set some records in her fight with eight takedowns landed in the UFC women's title fight. And 12 being the most wins in UFC women's history. So let's go ahead and jump into a couple topics from the last couple weeks. So there's been some talk about Khabib versus Connor too, partially because the media refuses to not talk about that fight and ask Dana about this fight, but also partially because Dana loves Connor. 
So Dana has said in the past couple weeks that if Connor wins against Cowboy and Khabib beats Ferguson, that there's a good possibility that they they will do Khabib versus Connor too. Um, I'm really holding out on the fact that Khabib really stands by not doing this fight, which is good because it doesn't make sense as much as Dana wants it to make sense. It just does not make sense. Um, Connor has won one fight at lightweight. If Connor beats Cerrone, Connor will still have, uh, believe it or not, a uh, one win at lightweight. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, this fight is at 170. Um, Dana was quoted saying it's a 155 pound fight that they don't have to cut weight. Yes and no. Are they both 155 pound fighters? Yes. Has Cerrone also fought at welterweight? Yes. Is this fight at 155 pounds? No. Guess what? It's not a 155 pound fight then. It's a 170 pound fight. It's a 15 pound difference that makes a huge difference in a fight. You know, they don't have to cut weight, so they don't have to go through that effort. So they're not depleting themselves, and they're not going through the, the struggle of cutting weight. Um, it, it's completely different fight. Cutting weight versus not cutting weight. You're a different fighter. Now, on a different note, say Connor does win this fight at 170 against Cowboy, which I hope he doesn't, but say he does, then he still doesn't deserve a title shot. It's his first win in roughly three years, four years, three years, I believe three years. He's had a few losses since then, a few fights in, and oh, let's see things that were not MMA while he was champion. Um, but that's different to the point of him not deserving a title shot. Oh yeah, and there's this guy who has been fighting and winning and doing it on a consistent rate for the last couple of years, uh, Justin Gaethje, uh, who, yeah, he kind of deserves the next title shot. And, you know, that's kind of just like, well, you know, we get, we'll, we'll give it to Connor because we like Connor. No, 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 no. Give the shot to Gaethje because he deserves it. He earns it. And that's how title shots should work. Amazingly enough, we just had an event where the three people that fought for titles all were without a doubt the number one contender. We didn't have any of this old politics nonsense here. Have the guy who is the number one guy who deserves a title shot get a title shot. Don't just hand out title shots willy-nilly because you like the fighter, Dana. The Cowboy Connor fight, I am so torn about because I love Cowboy. I love Cowboy. I like that Cowboy's getting a payday. I hope Cowboy destroys Connor. But this almost feels like, it, like it's not even a fight of, okay, who might get a title shot? This feels like it's a fight of what the UFC is meant to be about versus what the UFC has somewhat turned into in the last few years and all the morals and lack thereof. 
you have one side and Cowboy, who's this veteran, who's continued to fight, always says yes to a fight, takes fights on short notice, you know, has been active and has the like the most fights and most wins and multiple records in the UFC. And then you have this guy, Conor McGregor, who has managed to get to his place in the UFC by running his mouth and, and turning this into something completely different that it never should have been, and getting title shots based off that, and not based off of actually, I don't know, earning your title shot? A crazy concept. And I'm all about the, the cowboy method here. So I really hope Cowboy wins this, especially because if, if McGregor does win this, and if by some miracle, we do get a Khabib versus Connor 2, which will be mind-numbingly stupid to do. Then it's kind of the, the, the possibly the end of the lightweight title. You know, we might as well just take that title, walk over to a trash can, and just dump it into the trash. Because we have really stripped it of all meaning at that point. We are slowly building meaning back up into that title ever since we got it away from Connor, because the meaning of that title was significantly degraded by having Connor fight for it, win it, and then do nothing with it for a year and a half. So then we're bringing prestige back into it. Oh, we're just going to give Connor a shot. Yep, let me just go take this, toss it into the trash can, because it means nothing. And if I'm, you know, the Justin Gaethje's and Tony Ferguson's of the world, which is what I've been saying for a, a while now, is if I was Ferguson, I'd be super pissed by this point, just because, well, you have fought and fought and fought to earn your title shot, and you've got guys like... Connor just come into your division with zero wins in your division and then one win in your division just to get title shots and, and somehow become this number three guy and this guy who has managed to not leave the pound for pound rankings and ah uh, if I was Justin Gaethje I'd yeah I'd be campaigning like crazy for either for that title fight or for a fight with Connor so you can knock Connor out and then get a title fight. Um, but really, Gaethje's next, and Dana's insane. But Dana's been insane for a while, especially when it comes to Connor. So, one more thing from last night's fight Colby suffered a non displaced midline mandible fracture, which was tweeted by Ariel Hawani and said that that was her UFC sources. Um, we're going to jump back over to UFC 246 real quick and do a couple more notes that aren't a hate spiel on Connor. The 246 poster was released like a week within the last week, and it looks terrible. Absolutely terrible of a poster. Um. A very little design concept into this poster, so both guys are very different sized in the poster, and just the graphics are done terribly. 
the concept of the poster is very lacking in that I don't think there was a concept in the poster other than, oh yeah, these two guys are fighting. Plop. Here we go. Um, yeah, not, not the best poster. Not the best poster. Now, we have a fight night next week, and then 246 is the next fight after that. Is it? pretty decent gap in fights considering this fight is on December 21st and then the 246 is January like 18th so almost a month of no fights which is going to be kind of weird you know that whole two weeks really made me miss uh, watching fights and now a month uh, I don't even know what I'm going to do with a month of no fights now let's go talking uh, so Liz Carmouche and Hen and Burrow were both released this last uh, week and a half to a week and a half ago from the UFC. Um, th- this caught a lot of people by surprise. Um, Hen and Burrow, not so much. He's had quite a few losses out of his last several fights. Um, Liz Carmouche, really, that that one caught people by surprise because she was on a media tour, but. Not just that she was on a media tour. She just fought for the title. She lost, but she just fought for the title. You know, it's very rare we hear people like, oh, you know, they're on winning streaks and get released, or they fight for a title. You know, the highest thing you can really do in the UFC, fight for a title, and then you get released. A few months later. Um, yeah, that was kind of weird. Peter Yawn and Cody Garbrandt had a small interaction backstage last night. They actually had to be separated. It wasn't more than like 30 seconds. It wasn't even like a minute. Super short clip on like Facebook I saw. But it was... Just some words exchanged, no fist or anything. Now, our fight night next week that ends out the remainder of the year is actually going to be like a fight morning for us. So, the prelims start at 1 a.m. Central Standard Time. Which... I will probably be asleep. Now, that is 1 a.m. Saturday. Um, so, if you get off, you know, you get off work Friday and your weekend starts a few hours later when 1 a.m. rolls around, yeah, it's fight morning, night thing. Because they're over in Hong Kong. No. Because they're over in South Korea, it's actually going to be a fight morning for us over here in the States. We're going to start off the prelims with a bantamweight bout between Haile Alatin and number 13, Ryan Benoit. And then we have a women's strawweight bout with Veronica Macedo and Amanda Lemos. And then a bantamweight bout with Rione Barcelos and Khabib's cousin Saeed. Norma Gamedov. Then we have a flyweight bout with number four, Alexander Pantoja, and number nine, Matt Snell. 
Then we have a lightweight bout with Dong Hoi Ma and Omar Antonio Morales Ferrer. Then a featherweight bout with Sangwoo Choi and Sumin Mokhtarigan. And then we have a heavyweight bout with Surreal Game and Tanner Boser. Then we go to our main card, which if you just want to watch the main card, starts at 4 a.m. Central Time. So you're looking at, let me think real quick, 2 a.m. Pacific Time and 6 a.m. if you're on the East Coast. Believe that, that, that that's right. Don't quote me 100% on that. That's pretty close. Double check that. Don't go based off me for that. Anyway, so our main card starts off with a bantamweight bout between Kang Ho Kang and Loy Pinyong. And for all of y'all, I am sorry if I mispronounce these names. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Some of these are a little weird names, though, just because they are over in South Korea. And I yeah, just have trouble with some of them. Um, and we have a middleweight bout with Jung Yong Park and Mark Andre Berriolt. And we have a light heavyweight bout with Da Ung Jung and Mike Rodriguez. Then we have a featherweight bout with Du Ho Choi and Charles Jordan. Then in our co-main, we have a light heavyweight bout between number eight Vulcan Ustamir and number ten Alexander Rakik. And then in our main event, number five Frank Edgar versus number seven Chan Chan Sung Jun, the Korean Zombie. Now, Frank Edgar actually has another fight scheduled in January. I think it's January twenty fourth against Corey Sandhagen and took this fight on somewhat short notice because Brian Ortega was originally scheduled to face the Korean Zombie but had to pull out. I believe it was from a shoulder injury, if I recall correctly. I might be entirely wrong on that one. But nonetheless, Brian Ortega had to pull out and Frankie Edgar stepped in. And he, Frankie Edgar is still scheduled to face Corey Sandhagen. Um, Corey Sandhagen is not excited about that. He is upset that Frankie took this fight. But I think Frankie Edgar versus Korean Zombie will be a decent fight, um, especially to end out the new, end out the 2019 year. So that is all we have this week, guys. I will talk to y'all again next week. And we will talk about that, uh, those fights, give a recap, and we'll see what else happens in between now and with news-wise. I mean, um, if not, then I'll figure out some other stuff to kind of just talk about. Uh, maybe we'll talk about some records or give me some ideas y'all want to hear talked about. Maybe go over who, who should be next for what or different fight ideas. Um, but thank you guys, everyone, for listening. If you liked what you hear, give a you know, review. It doesn't have to be five stars. It can be four, three, two, one, whatever. 
Um, it can't be zero because I don't think iTunes lets you do zero or Google or any of those lets you do zero star reviews. Um, like us, subscribe to us. You can find us on Facebook at UFP2019. You can find us on uh, Twitter at UFP2019 as well. And actually, I think the Facebook is going to be at UFP-Ultimate-Fighting-Podcast. But if you type in Ultimate Fighting Podcast in the Facebook, you should find us on there. And you'll see the new releases, hear some news, and we'll be able to keep up to date. Also, if you subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, what that does is free, and it just gets it into your phone without you having to go through a lot of effort to find it every week and download it. And then it automatically deletes it from your library after you listen to it. So thank you everyone for listening. I'm Justin Hanson, and I am out.